The epistle is from Romans chapter 3. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith, apart from works of the law. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the eighth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Stories are incredibly powerful. This is something we know even as young children. Stories can ignite your imagination. They can set you off into another world. They can take you out of your present moment and put you in another. Stories are incredibly powerful, and there's something very human about the appreciation of stories. We love to relate to characters. We love to wait for the plot to twist. We love to know how things are going to resolve. Stories are fundamental to our experience as humans, but there is no story more powerful. There's no story more powerful than the story that we ourselves tell about ourselves. The story that you tell about yourself, to yourself or to others, that story is the most powerful one because it shapes everything that you think about the world. How you came to be where you are right now, all of the steps along the way, all of the trouble, all of the joy, that story that you tell forms your worldview. It informs how you think about everything that's going on around you and what will come next. Stories are incredibly powerful. Now we are not very good at telling truthful stories. The best evidence for the presence of original sin in humans is the fact that you don't have to teach people how to lie. They figure that out all on their own. They know it intuitively. They know how to tell stories that aren't entirely true. 
They know how to take all of the best parts of the story and twist a few others. We all know this by nature. One of my favorite examples of this from the Bible is the story of Aaron, the brother of Moses, when the people demanded the golden calf. Moses was up on the mountain for a long time getting the law from God. Forty days, Moses was on the mountain, and the people did what they so often did. They began to grumble, and they said, we don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. He's been gone for 40 days. Forget about the Red Sea. Forget about the ten plagues. We need someone better. We need a better God, they said, than the one who brought us out of Egypt. And so they said to Aaron, make for us gods so that we can worship them. So Aaron asked all the people to bring their jewelry, their gold, and he melted it down and he made a golden calf, a statue. And then the people had a great big party and they worshipped that statue and they praised that statue, the gods that that statue apparently represented, they praised them for bringing them out of Egypt and for rescuing them from Pharaoh. No wonder that God got word of this and no wonder that he was incensed by it. And Moses was angry as well. Moses came down from the mountain to see what was going on, and he was furious. He said to Aaron, what have you done? What did these people do to you to make you commit such a grievous sin? And this is what Aaron said. Let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people, that they are set on evil. For they said to me, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, let, anyone ha let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. That's a great story. <laughs> it's a great story that Aaron tells about what happened. Sure, there's some truth to it. Yeah, the people really kind of twisted his arm. They made him do something that he knew he shouldn't do, but he was the one who did it. That golden calf didn't just come hopping out of that fire. Aaron was the one who had crafted it. He told this story, and it was a lie. And in telling this story, he revealed something about his heart, something that we can all see in our hearts when we tell similar stories. We tend to tell these kinds of stories, stories in which we have the title credit. The credits are rolling, and there's your name first on the list. Because really, you're the star of this story that you like to tell. And that means that either you are the hero of this story, or you're an innocent victim in this story. Those are our favorite roles to play, either the hero or the victim. Either the one who has done everything right. I've done everything just the way I should. My sins are minimal. I tend to do things that are good. Yes, I follow God's law. Yes, I love my neighbors. That's why I do the things I do, because I love so much. Those stories in which we are heroes, they're so common. But perhaps more common are the stories in which we are the victims, where we don't worry so much about our own sins, but we worry about the sins of others. This story is about what others have done to me. Those are the easiest stories to tell, because we are excellent at picking out the sins of others, neglecting the log, in our own eye. We tell these stories in which we have the title credit and it's either because we are the hero of the story or the victim of our story. And what does that leave God to do in our stories? Well, he has a role sometimes in the stories that we tell. Sometimes he's just an ornery, grumpy, legalistic kind of a guy who likes to hold our feet to the fire every once in a while. He just likes to make life difficult. 
We've got to sort of toe the line when it comes to God in our stories. This is the story that was told at the time of the Reformation and still is told in the Roman Catholic Church today. The story that God has a list of things for you to do. And if you don't do them, you're not going to get to heaven. And so to be a Christian is to be a good person. To be a Christian is to confess every last one of your sins before a priest. To be a Christian is to do penance. That's what led Martin Luther to show up at the Wittenberg Church and nail the 95 Theses to the door of that church on October 31st, 1517, 504 years ago. He did that because there was a story being told in which God was not gracious and merciful, in which God was a legalist, in which God was a tyrant. And so Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses to the door of, that wall, door of that church, and he said, no, the life of a Christian is a life lived under God's grace. And that is why our lives are lives of repentance. We have a different story we need to tell, and in fact, it's not our own story. We should not be the heroes of this story. It is God who must be the title character in this story. The role that God has to play so often in our stories is as a slave driver, a tyrant. There's another role that he often plays which is more like a sidekick. This one's so easy. He's the kind of guy who's there to applaud you when you tell a really good story. Yep, that makes perfect sense. Your justification for what you did, that's spot on, absolutely, 100%, you're okay. I'm okay, you're okay, God says in these stories. That's not who God is at all. He's not a slave master, he's not a tyrant, he's not a sidekick. We are not the heroes, we are not the victims. The story is quite the reverse. Now, we tell these stories, just like Aaron told his story, we tell these stories because we feel in our bones the need to justify ourselves. This is what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 3. We feel the need to be right somehow. We recognize that things are not right in this world. Things are not right with us. Everything is out of whack. The best way, the most visible way this is clear to us is in death. Things are not right because people die, because you die. Things are not right. We know it. And so we feel this need to justify ourselves, to tell a story that makes us look good in somebody else's eyes or even just in our own eyes. And that's an important thing to note. We don't begin by telling these stories to other people. Aaron didn't start by telling this story to Moses. You can be sure that he was rehearsing this story in his mind all along. That's what we do. We tell these stories in our minds over and over and over again to the point where, unfortunately, tragically, we actually start to believe them. I'm the hero. I'm the victim. God's here to pat me on the back and tell me everything's okay with me. Those stories we tell, first of all, to ourselves. And just like any powerful lie, it's most powerful when you begin to believe it. And that's where the problem is. The problem is not just that it's a lie. Lies are bad in their own right. They ruin everything. We can't have a world in which lies hold sway. But the bigger problem is this, that those lies... Those false stories that we tell, they rob us of true comfort. We tell these stories, and it means that we are living under the law, as St. Paul said. That's what he means. He says, the law speaks to those who are under the law. That is, the law speaks to those who are still trying somehow, some way, to make it be that they can stand before God and lay claim to his righteousness all on their own. 
To be under the law is trying to measure up to the law. It's holding up some sort of a yardstick beside yourself and saying, look, I'm just fine. I did okay. It's like that rich young man that comes up to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know the law. Trying to lead him to see the fact that he doesn't measure up. And this poor kid who's been so deceived by the lies that he's told himself, he says, yeah, I know the law. And all of that I have done from my youth. He believes the lie. He's living under the law. And so he's trying to measure up in a way that he could never accomplish. God says, be perfect. And in these stories, we so often say, no problem. I've done it. Or we hear God say what he doesn't actually say. We think he said, try your best. And we say, no problem. I've done it. That is to live under the law. As though God would believe us. As though he would believe these lies that we tell to ourselves, these stories that we tell to ourselves and to one another. The problem is that those stories, as much as they might comfort us in the moment, they do not help us at all. I was trying to think of a, an extreme example of this. Imagine, so bear with me here. <laughs> Imagine for a moment there's a flood. The city street is just flooded with water. It's a stream, a torrent going by, and there's a sign that says, don't drive on this street. It's a flash flood. Here it is. You drive in that street, you're going to get washed away. And you think to yourself, I can make it across. I have four-wheel drive. I've been through worse. So you plow right on into that street, and the stream carries you away. And as you're spiraling down the stream, somebody along the side of the road sees you and says, Hey, you're in a world of hurt, buddy. You're going to get carried off down the dam to the Mississippi. You've got a problem. And you say to yourself and to this fellow, It's okay. I'm just seeing how things are out here in the middle of the stream. I'm just checking it out. I'm in control of the situation. Everything's okay. Just a little bit of leak coming in. Just a little bit of water. No problem. These kinds of stories are the worst for us because not only are they untrue, but they deprive us of the help that we need. If you're telling a story in which you don't need any help at all, you will never receive the help that you need. If you're telling a story in which you don't need forgiveness, in which you don't need God to show mercy to you from beginning to end in every aspect of your life, if you're telling a story in which you can hack it all on your own, even just in the smallest way, you cannot receive God's help by faith. You're saying to yourself, I'm okay, I'm going to be fine. While you're spiraling off down the stream and the car is filling up with water. That's the worst thing about these stories. Because God is merciful. He is gracious. He is full of help for those who are in need. He is full of love for sinners like you and me. His love is so abundant that he will do anything it takes to give it to you. And you are in such desperate need that the cost is so high. It involves sending his son to the cross. But God did not wink at that. He did not shrug his shoulders and say, I'm not going to do that. He didn't think this was too hard. He didn't flinch when he had to do it, but he rejoiced that he had a way to save you. Now, this way involves the preaching of the law. It often makes people uncomfortable, and so often people want God to stop speaking the law to them. They want pastors to stop speaking the law because it hurts you don't like hearing while you're spiraling off down the stream that you're in a world of hurt. But God does it to us for this reason. You heard it in our lesson from Romans chapter 3. The law speaks to those who are under the law that the mouths of everyone may be stopped. Did you catch that? It's so that those who are telling stories about themselves under the law, those who are trying to justify themselves so that they have to shut up, so that you can't tell that story anymore, so that it's brought to an end, 
Your excuses aren't valid. I don't want to hear them, God says. Cut it out. It's like the father coming to uh, greet his prodigal son as he's running back to him. And the prodigal son has rehearsed this story in his mind. I'm no better than a servant. Treat me like a servant. He's thinking his father's a slave master. And he comes to his father and he's about to make this excuse. And he's about to make this deal. Father, just treat me like one of your servants. And his father won't have it. He stops the mouth of his son. But he doesn't do that just so that he keeps his son from lying. Just so that he pulls him up short. He does it because he wants to put a ring on his finger and a robe on his shoulders and shoes on his feet. And he wants to throw a party for him. And he can't do that if this kid is trying to tell another story. The story is this. The father loves his son. The story is this. The father loves you. And he has a far better story for you than you could tell on your own. It's not the toning down of the law. The gospel is not the toning down of the law. As though God says, well, I didn't really mean the things that I said. It's like when you try to get your kids to eat their dinner. And at the end, you have to just negotiate. Okay, three more bites. Fine, just three more bites. That's all I need you to do. That's not what the gospel is. It's not just toning down the law and making it something you can accomplish. It's not God slapping you on the back and saying, you tried hard, kiddo. Good job. Better luck next time. It's not God approving of your story, giving it his stamp and saying, yep, you told the right story. It is his story. That's the gospel. It's what God has to say about you and about his love for you. What he says about you hurts, but he hurts you with his law so that he can heal you. He cleans out your wounds, binds them up, and restores you. That's what God means to do. He does it for you on the cross in sending his son to die for you. That is the story you should tell about yourself. That Jesus died on the cross for you. That's the story that you should tell others about you. That Jesus died on the cross for you. It's the best story there is. There could be no other story. There could be no more powerful story than that. It's the story that's powerful to raise the dead. So rehearse that story in your minds. Tell that story over and over again in your hearts. Tell that story to everyone you can hear speak to, to everyone that you can reach. That is the story that saves. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.